Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Steve Fowler. Hey, we're in our series on Ridiculous Grace. We've been talking about grace from multiple angles, and uh, today we're going to be looking at a pretty familiar story found in Luke chapter 19. So if you've got a Bible, uh, go to Luke 19. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the pew rack in front of you. It looks just like the one I'm using. And if you go to page uh, 872, yep, 872, uh, you'll find Luke 19, and uh, if, you're not, if you're not used to sort of navigating your way around the Bible, you get to that page number 872, you'll see two columns. Um, that's kind of how the, this, this entire Bible is laid out, two columns on a page. You'll see a big number 19, that's the chapter number. And you see a bunch of little numbers in between, that's the sentences and uh, those are verses. And so there's kind of seem like as waypoints in finding your way through the Bible. You got a chapter, you got a verse, it kind of just helps you find where we're going to be um, looking and, and what we're going to be reading. So... Luke 19, I'm going to read this story about Jesus and Zacchaeus. So uh, how many of you uh, grew up, uh, maybe you grew up in church and you know the song about Zacchaeus? Raise your hand. Okay, a lot of you. How many have never heard that song before about Zacchaeus? Okay, so a few of you. For those who don't know, this is like the Christian version. This song is a Christian version of Walt Disney's It's a Small World. It gets in your head. You can't get it out. It's there. So I'm not going to bless you with the singing of that song. Uh, unless there's a standing ovation, no, I will not sing that song. I'm just going to say, <laughs> come on, seriously, sit down, sit down. <laughs> oh my gosh, the things, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. Actions. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for love. If you're visiting, you're like, what is happening? They looked up and he see and said, Zacchaeus, you come down from there. Remember that part. For I'm coming to your house today. Today. Well done. Well done, church. We should, we should take another offering, but we must move on. We must move on. Okay, let me read this story. <laughs> this is totally out of control. All right. Luke 19, verse 1. Jesus entered. See, it is a small world, isn't it? It's in your head. It's been in your head for decades, and you can't get it out. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, 
Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. This is God's holy word. Now, here's, here's the deal. We're, we're moving through this series, and today we're worshiping, and we're going to be celebrating communion together. We're going to be celebrating the moment when ridiculous grace was on display. When Jesus Christ went to the cross and made it possible for grace to be received by people who were willing to admit a need in their life. And, and this story, really what it shows us is that God is the ultimate initiator of ridiculous grace. And yet while he initiates grace, while he makes his first move towards us, there is a responsibility on our part to respond to that grace. That yes, yes, he is the one who draws people to himself, but the, the, the deal is here is that as he reveals and as he initiates grace, you and I, you and I have, we need to respond to that grace. We need to, not just one time, we, we multiple responses to that grace, and Zacchaeus really shows us what that might look like. And so, if we want ridiculous grace, if we want mercy and love and the love of Christ to flow into our lives, we really can take our cues from this story, the story of Zacchaeus and Jesus. And it all begins with, with Jesus coming to town, which in Jericho, Jesus is, is coming through town there. This, this is big news. Because the stories of Jesus, uh, they've gone viral in Israel, and not just in Israel, they've actually crossed borders. These stories have gone into neighboring nations, and people are traveling from outside Israel and traveling from all around Israel just to get a glimpse of Jesus, just to hear him teach. They've heard the stories of him healing incurable diseases like leprosy. They've heard the stories of blind men being able to see. They've heard the, the, the unique stories about a rabbi, a religious leader, who doesn't spend time with religious people, but actually enjoys being with prostitutes and tax collectors and criminals and, 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 and spends time with them. So Jesus comes to, to Zacchaeus' hometown, Jericho, and when he comes to town, the whole crowd is out there because this is a big day. This is big news. And Zacchaeus, he's a wealthy man. He's a tax collector. And if you were here last week, we talked about tax collectors uh, in, in, in Jesus' day. And we, we all have negative response to paying taxes. But in this day, to be a tax collector, this, you were seen as a traitor in your community because you're working for Rome. And these tax collectors, they would, have, they would have charged extra on the taxes because that's how they lived the high life. They actually, they, 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 they lived off the backs of their community members. They took advantage of them and, and they became wealthy. And Zacchaeus isn't just a tax collector. He's a wealthy tax collector. He is the chief, one of the chief tax collectors of the region, which means he's at the top of the pyramid. Okay? He's got tax collectors reporting to him, so he is very well off, he's very rich. Yet what's interesting to notice in this story is that there's still a longing in his heart. He's got everything. He can do whatever he wants. He's got all the means to do it. Yet when Jesus comes to town, he needs to be there. He needs to get his own glimpse of who, who Jesus is. And so what he, do, what he does is he, he does something that unleashes grace into his life. He's responding to the initiation of grace by God, and yet he's gonna take steps. And the very first thing he does is he goes and he climbs this sycamore fig tree. He does that because the crowd is there and they're in the way, and he's, he's smart enough to be able to kind of figure out where the parade route is gonna go. So he climbs a tree. And friends, this is the first response to the initiation of grace by God the Father, is climbing a tree. And here's what I mean by that. 
who in, in our society, who in our society climbs trees? Okay, we got a few up here. Yeah. Kids, right? Usually kids. Not that it's wrong for adults to climb trees. It's, 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 usually it's kids who climb trees. When I grew up overseas, went to boarding school, our boarding school was for missionary kids, and we had, you know, we had a lot of rules in the school, and we had trees that you could climb, and you could only climb trees that had a white circle painted around the base of them. And then you could climb a tree, but then there were white circles on the branches, and that was the, the limit to where you could go out on the branches, which said to every kid, pass the white line, right? That kids climb trees. If you finish today here at church and you go home and you see Brian Candelo climbing a tree on your way home, that's weird, right? Because he's old. <laughs> he, he's, he's older. And um, kids climb trees. Now, in this culture, there are cultural norms that are, that are, that are there's these behavioral guidelines for adults. And this is a formal culture. This is a culture where you, the, the, the rules aren't written down, but they're known. And, and men don't climb trees. Business guys don't climb trees. Yet what Zacchaeus does here is he climbs a tree, which for him, what he's doing, he doesn't know it at this point, is the one barrier, the one major barrier that not only keeps him, but keeps many people from being in a relationship with Jesus Christ, a friendship with Jesus Christ, to where grace can flow into your life, where mercy can come your way. One of the biggest barriers is pride. And what Zacchaeus does is he knocks down that barrier as he lays down his dignity and climbs a tree. Now, here's the interesting thing, is that, you know, laying down our pride and laying down our dignity is not just a one-time thing we do when we begin a friendship with God. It's actually something we do continually as we walk with Christ. That God is calling us. It's Luke 18, Jesus is telling a story and, um, and uh, he's, he's done some ministry and, and it's actually just, just prior to the story about Zacchaeus, he has kids coming to him. And kids are coming to him, and the cultural norms of the day is that rabbis, adult male religious leaders, don't do children's ministry. So the disciples are pushing all the children away. But what does Jesus do? He says, no, 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 let, let the little kids come to me, and he's putting his hands on them, and he's blessing them, and, um, and he's welcoming them. And then Jesus says these words from Luke 18. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. So here's the thing about kids. Pride doesn't get in their way. They don't know the cultural norms. They don't know the behavioral codes. And so they have this childlike faith and that's what Zacchaeus is doing here. He's, what Jesus is saying is that if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to enter like a kid and lay down your pride. Which, by the way, for people who struggle with this whole idea of, of Christianity and following God and believing in Jesus, who hear Christians like us say, the Lord of the universe was born in a manger, lived a sinless life, conquered death and darkness at the cross, was in the tomb for three days, rose again, was resurrected, appeared to his disciples, and then ascended into heaven, and one day he's coming back. People who hear that go, Really, you believe that? That's what you, that's what you believe? Because there's this, there's this idea that when you believe in stuff like that, that's okay for kids. I mean, we read fairy tale books and all that when we're growing up, but that's okay for kids. But when you get older, you know better. And if you still retain your faith, you are an intellectual primitive. 
because people know better. Uh, there was an atheist, who, a, a pretty prominent atheist, who wrote a book and said this in, in the book, said, when one person suffers from a delusion, it is called insanity. When many people suffer from a delusion, it's called religion. Faith is the great cop-out, the great excuse to evade the need to think and evaluate evidence. Can you, can you hear it? It's like, really? You see, God is the great initiator of grace. And if you want to be a recipient of that grace and you want that love and mercy to flow freely into your life, you're going to have to climb a tree. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to lay down your dignity. You're going to lay down your pride. And you're going to have to see your need for grace. You're going to have to see your need for a savior. And you're going to need to climb a tree. And that's exactly what Zacchaeus said. He's a wealthy man. He's got everything he needs, but there's a longing in his heart and he needs to see Jesus and so he climbs that tree. Second thing he does is he has to get over the crowd. I mentioned earlier, he's trying to see Jesus and he wants to get through and see Jesus. He can't because he's a wee little man as the song sang, right? We sang about that. He's short. He can't see uh, Jesus so he kind of pre predicts where the parade route's going to go. He climbs the tree because he has to get over the crowd. And let me just say this. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this. Some people really struggle with believing in Christ because they look at Christ's followers. And they look at, this, this is a nasty, moralistic, religious crowd. We know that because when Jesus decides to invite Zacchaeus, or actually invite himself to Zacchaeus' house, what, what, he, what we hear, the, the crowd's response is a grumble. He's gone to the house of a notorious sinner. This is a nasty, religious, religious moralistic crowd. And, it's, and obviously they have isolated Zacchaeus in the community. He, he, he struggled to even be accepted in that community because of his job, because of his occupation. And they feel like they're take, he's taking advantage of them. So he has to get over the crowd. And let me just say this. Maybe you're here and you, 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 you've thought about Christianity or you, someone's talking to you about Christianity and you're thinking to yourself, if Christianity is true, if it's true, how could it produce people like that? And maybe that's something that you have thought and you've just really struggled with, with religious people and, and you've seen inconsistencies and you've seen hypocrisy and, and can I just tell you this? Can I just say this? The very thing that troubles you troubled Jesus. The very thing. It, Jesus, when he's talking to, to tax collectors and criminals and prostitutes and pimps, he's kind and gentle and he's loving and merciful. Do you know when he thunders? When he's talking to the religious establishment. Look, look at Matthew chapter 21. Matthew 21, Jesus, has, he's been talking with Pharisees. They're like pastors, they're like denominational leaders. He's told a story, then he's explaining the meaning of the story. He says, I tell you the truth, corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. That's a zinger. He's talking to the religious leaders and saying, prostitutes and tax collectors are getting into heaven before you do. Here's why. For John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe him, while tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe him and repent of your sins. 
See, the very things and the very people that perhaps bother you or keep you from taking a look at Jesus are the very things that the very people that Jesus thundered against. And so, if for you it's 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 religious people or or people that you describe as Christians who you see as inconsistent, and by the way, that you know we we are we struggle with inconsistency. We, we struggle, churches struggle with hypocrisy. Not this one, other churches, I've heard a lot about them, but this, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure you get. No, we do. We struggle with this, but I would just say, don't look at us. We're, we're trying to follow in our way of Jesus and, and check in with us. We should be growing. We should be going in the way of Jesus. There should be transformation. But friends, we look at Jesus. And can I say, to be mad at self-righteous people takes actually quite a bit of self-righteousness, doesn't it? To look at self-righteous people and say they're self-righteous actually takes quite a bit of that same thing. And the very thing that disturbs you could be the very thing that you have become. And God is initiating grace in your direction. And you have, there's a response needed. You need to climb a tree. Lay down our pride and admit that, yes, indeed, we, we do need a savior. Yes, we, we don't meet God's standards. In fact, we don't even live up to our own standards. And we, we need to admit that. And, and we need to take a fresh look at Jesus and not let people get in the way of that. And that's what Zacchaeus does. He climbs that tree and he gets a fresh look at Jesus and then Jesus comes by and, um, and this is the part in the story where Jesus, he looks up in the tree and sees Zacchaeus. The song we sang, you may have seen some people in the room there singing that song. Zacchaeus, you come down from there. And I don't know who wrote that Sunday school song, but that, that part right there tells you a little bit about their spiritual origin story and their view of God. Because in the song that I learned in church, you wag your finger and you tell Zacchaeus, what are you doing up in that tree? Get out. That's what it sounds like. But actually what Jesus is doing here is he's coming up to Zacchaeus and, he, and he, he's not wagging his fingers. He's Zacchaeus, this is the word of knowledge. He's never met Zacchaeus before. This, this, is, this is the God man. This is Jesus who's laid, he's laid down his divine privileges. All he's, he's not playing the God card here. He's moving in the power of the spirit just like you and I can move in the power of the spirit and he knows Zacchaeus' name. Zacchaeus, come down. Because I want to come to your home and have dinner with you. And by the way, that phrase, that phrase does not mean, it, doesn't, it does not mean I'm just coming over for one meal. Actually, what it means is I want to, we're going to, room and board is actually what it means. I'm going to spend some days with you, which would have been pretty, the, the, the practical way Jesus would have done ministry. He would have stayed in homes for two or three days before he moved on to another village. And so what we have here is Jesus inviting Zacchaeus to be with him, and which is kind of funny because you think about in Christian circles or evangelical circles, we talk a lot about inviting Jesus into our hearts. But in this story, we've got Jesus inviting himself into Zacchaeus' life. Why? Because God is the great initiator of ridiculous grace. He takes the first step towards us. He pursues us. And, and, and with that pursuit and with that invitation, it's hanging in the air and Zacchaeus must respond. He's climbed the tree. He's got over the crowd. But now what he will do is he will take Jesus home with him. 
He would take Jesus home with him and take him into his, in his house. And again, we don't know how long that was. We're pretty certain it wasn't just one meal. He's probably spent a day or days with Zacchaeus. And what happens when Zacchaeus and Jesus spend time together is what is important to Jesus, what is on God's heart, suddenly becomes important and gets placed on Zacchaeus's heart. Because what we see is Zacchaeus, somewhere along the journey, saying, Lord, I'm going to take half of my wealth. I'm going to take half of my retirement. I'm going to take half of my, my bank account, my checking and my savings. I'm going, to take, I'm going to take half of my assets. I'm going to sell them off. I'm going to take half of everything I own, and I'm going to give it to the poor. Now, why, why is he doing that? Because the poor are important to Jesus. The poor are on God's heart, which is why the wisdom writer will write that when you lend to the poor, you are lending to God. The poor are so, so close to Jesus, so close to God, that actually when you spend time in God's presence, the things that, come, that are important to God become important to you. And so here we have Zacchaeus saying, I'm gonna give half of everything I own to those who are without. And, and then he goes beyond that and he says, and if, and this kind of cracks me, cracks me up a little bit, and if I have cheated anyone, Zacchaeus, we all know that you have cheated people, okay? That's why you're living the high life. Everyone, but I, I just love it. And, and if I have cheated anybody, and I would love to have seen Jesus' face when he said that. No, I don't think he would have done that. I think he would have smiled. And if I have cheated anyone, I'm gonna pay them back four times as much as I've taken. See, this is what happens when someone climbs a tree and they get over the crowd and they take Jesus home with them. They, they, they end up, being with Jesus and seeing who he is and what's important to him becomes important to them and before long they're not only receiving ridiculous grace now what they're doing is they're experiencing ridiculous repentance because the ways of God are so contrary to, to, to our ways that I've got to do some major recalibration I got to do some major realignment in my life so that I can walk in his ways and that means having a heart for the poor in this case and second of all I've got to, I've got to make some restitution because I've been living the high life on the people's backs that, among who I live so ridiculous grace ridiculous repentance which then leads to ridiculous restitution I'm gonna pay back not just what I've taken, I'm gonna go above and beyond, which by the way is the Mosaic law. When you steal, you don't just get back to what you stole, you go above and beyond that and pay back even more as a sign of your repentance. And this is exactly, exactly what Zacchaeus is doing here. And friends, Jesus is still inviting people to take him home with them. Not just people who don't believe in him, but people like us who need to be in his presence, who need to have our hearts recalibrated, who need to experience grace and have that grace flow freely into our lives. He's the great initiator of ridiculous grace. But we spend time in his presence that actually also produces ridiculous repentance and restitution if needed. And we see this invitation in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. This letter written to the church where Jesus says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. The invitation still stands. This is, a, this is not a one-time climb a tree moment. 
Yes, that gets conversion. It, it begins the friendship. But we're, we're being called to climb a tree a lot. We're, we're laying down our dignity. We're laying down our pride even as we follow after Christ. We're actually experiencing daily conversions. We're converting our life to the way of Jesus on a daily basis. And, and sometimes we gotta get over the crowd because we got so much messaging coming at us and, and it, it actually takes our eyes off Jesus. And then there's so many, we're being told so many ways to think about how the church respond to this or respond to that or how, what they should think about this. And, and I just want to call us back to look at Jesus, get over the crowd, look at Jesus and see how he responds to these things. What, what, what brings him joy? What angers him? What's his thoughts on that? And, and to take Jesus home with you because he's the great initiator of ridiculous grace. And when you spend time in his presence, the things that are important to him become important to you. And a great recalibration and a realignment takes place as you continue to walk with him. Now, that's Zacchaeus' story. How does that impact your story or my story, our story? Just, just a couple ways. And the first one is this. Some of you need to climb the tree. Jesus, in, in Luke, Luke 19, he's going to Calvary. He's going to Jerusalem, and he's going to be crucified. He, he's going to Jerusalem, and he will climb the tree. He will get on that cross. He will not be forced on it. He lays down his life. No one makes him do it. He willingly goes to the cross as a sinless man who, is, who shouldn't suffer no consequences. And he goes to the cross in a ridiculous demonstration of grace and he pays every single person's sin penalty and all anyone needs to do is actually appropriate or, or, or see that as a substitute for your life because he lived the life you could not live and he died the death that you should have died. The ultimate insider, God himself became an outsider so that you could become an insider. Look at it that way. And so for some of you in the room, you, you've, not, you've not taken that step of climbing the tree, of coming to a point of just laying down your pride and saying, you know, I, I, I know I've made mistakes. I know that my attitudes and my thoughts and behaviors and all that, I, I know I've not measured up. Well, God says that, that that's called sin and that, that breaks a relationship. Just, when, when someone, just like when someone offends you or Let's you down, and there's a breaking relationship there. You need to make that relationship right, and the cross is the place where that, that relationship is reconciled. So for some of you in the room, when we celebrate communion, and there's gonna be stewards up here, your journey is not to take communion. You can, but first you must go to the cross and climb the tree, because there is one who climbed the tree for you, who made that possible. The great initiator of ridiculous grace. The second thing I would say to you and say to all of us, we need to take a fresh look at Jesus and the place to do that is in the text. Is to go right to the stories. Go right to the place where Jesus, the records of his life from four different angles, the gospels, four of his best friends are telling their story of who Jesus is and how he lived and how he thought and how he prayed. And I wanna encourage you to take a fresh look at Jesus. And maybe you're someone that, you know, climb the tree today, it's just, you're not, you're not there yet. Can I just say to you, would you take a fresh look at Jesus? And in saying that, I want to say to you, 
Jesus is not afraid to be investigated. He's not, he encourages it. So maybe it's the beginning of an investigation of taking a fresh look at Christ. And for many of us, we, we climbed that tree for the first time a lot of years ago. And we're doing our best not to be part of that nasty, moralistic, religious crowd. And we're taking Jesus home with us. And a day like today, when we, when we come and we remember our Lord's death, is, this is a day when we just we celebrate grace. We remember the sacrifice for us. We remember that he substituted himself for us on that cross. And so I just want to help us prepare our hearts by reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. The Apostle Paul writes these words. He says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For, eat, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, get this, every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death. What's Paul saying? You are announcing that ridiculous grace is available through Jesus. We announce that until the Lord's death, until he comes again. But we've got to prepare ourselves. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. Salem Alliance Church is a community of Jesus followers located in downtown Salem, Oregon. And we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. You can view today's entire service online at livestream.com backslash Salem Alliance.